0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dine with the Divine. I'm your host, Ashley, and together we'll be exploring the magical, the mystical, and everything in between. So, on today's episode, we're going to discuss how no one can seem to pronounce Deutsch, right? And another demonized goddess. So, I hope everyone is having a fantastic week, and if you're not, I hope it gets better soon. So, today we have a fantastic guest. We have Hex Marie here with us. So Hex Marie is a Pennsylvania Dutch and German-American folk magic practitioner. Online, she shares insights and thoughts about folklore and fairy tales, German and German-American folk magic, animism, and paganism with a modern eclectic lens. As an instructor, she guides students to find the breadcrumbs of folklore and story that can lead her students back to their forgotten cultural heritage of ancestral wisdom and connection.
1: Hi, X How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Thanks, I'm so glad you're here. Okay. First, I love to ask people, how did you get started? Okay, how I got started? I guess if I really think back, I started like in middle school when I was getting into astrology. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but at that time, it was still like total cognitive dissonance because I was raised Mormon. Mm-hmm. And so... After I left the church as an adult, a young adult, like 23, pretty soon after that, I started to get into tarot and new age stuff as a bridge out of the religion I was raised in. And then in the past few years, probably going on four years now, I just had a string of things in my life, including having my daughter Mm -hmm. that got me interested in my own ancestry and ancestor work. And so that has been part that this German folk magic and Pennsylvania Dutch folk magic part of my path really started with the birth of my daughter. I'm sure we'll get into more. That was when I got interested in Frau Bertha, mm-hmm. and that started my relationship with her. And it's just taken me off by storm from there. <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: Okay, did you, and I feel like some people have the same thing, especially when they have kids. Um, I know a lot of people feel like, oh, I really want to find out who I am and mm. that kind of thing, so I can carry that on to my
1: child. Is that part of what you felt like you experienced? I feel, so as I got going with the practice, it did turn into that because just even things like doing holidays with your kids, Mm -hmm. You think about those things. But really what led me to this was the struggles I had as a new mom. Mm. There's a lot. There's a long family history Mm -hmm. of struggling with mental health and specifically around postpartum. Okay. And it was such an intense experience. And then also my daughter was born just a little bit early Mm -hmm. and then. Feeding her was difficult because of that. And so the struggles with all of that and the intensity of that experience, I really felt when I was pregnant, like I was on the liminal edge between life and death. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And and I felt that like you are channeling a soul in and and also there's a death and rebirth as the mother as well, because Mm -hmm. like a better word, like your girlhood, there's something about you that you leave behind in a sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was all so intense that I really needed that connection. And then when I was giving birth, there was actually this kind of miraculous moment where I almost needed a C-section, and they stopped my labor. And then they were getting me ready for a C-section. They give you a shot. It stops the contractions. And I was Mm -hmm. at like eight centimeters because the baby's heart was dropping. And in that moment, I just went inside myself and talked to her Mm. And told her, we're going to get you out safe either way. It might be easier if you could come <laughs> <out> <laughs> the natural way. But if not, they have a dark in the other room. And then when they checked me after that 30 minutes of stop contraction, I had dilated fully to a 10. Oh, and wow. I pushed her out in like three pushes. So it was like in that moment, I really felt I th- what I would consider now this like ancestral connection, mm. and then as I got interested in these things and started to do more of the research, but all the time, don't worry. So that feeling now I consider it. It did feel very magical. It did almost feel like a presence, like a white light, like mm-hmm. calm in the storm. And now that is what I associate with what I feel the ancestors feel like to me. Mm-hmm. And I would liken it to like the oxytocin, that feeling that you're safe yeah, and everything's going to be okay. And that you're being held by something bigger than you. And the folk magic practice and in getting into my ancestors has given me a way to understand that and give language. And I know those first months would have been a lot easier for me, I think, or to it would have been more immediate for me understanding what was happening if I had the stories of Frau Berchte at that time. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like I needed that. And finding her stories really gave me a lens to understand the extreme experiences I had as a mother. Mm -hmm. Because it really doesn't line up with the Hallmark movie image. (laughs) Way more intense and insane. Mm -hmm. And just it's a gritty, crazy experience. Yeah.
0: I'm not a mother, but all of my friends who are have, it's so funny because like you hear all these things when you're growing up in movies and stuff and you just expect it to be like, oh, and everything's fine. And then my first inkling was when I was in nursing school, I took like my labor delivery class and our teacher told us if a mother has a baby and she all of a sudden is, oh my God, I love this baby. I love you more than like, they're like, that's actually not that's actually not safe they were oh. like yeah they actually said it's when you see moms who are like hi that's totally <laughs> normal because this is yeah. somebody like i was like hi hey, somebody... <laughs> <laughs> <And it's... laughs> yeah that's what they say. they're like that's actually way healthier and normal because you're now responsible for this person you don't know yeah like yes they <laughs> were growing in you but it's like i don't know you hi hello
1: how are you like, <laughs> Well, and as they grow and you get to know them, it does make sense why a lot of cultures have beliefs about forms of reincarnation in the family line. Mm-hmm. Because as they start to grow and things come up, it's there's things that come up that are like, oh, I know this. Mm-hmm. And also like the child's on to you, like something about them knows where you come from. And I remember yeah. feeling like... Things are really good now. I went through that experience. It was a very intense experience, but I got through it on the other side. Pretty well, all things considered. But I remember when my daughter was still an infant and didn't have language. Mm-hmm. I just felt like she was looking in my soul and just like, okay, we know that stuff's gone down in this family. Are going to be a mom or a bad mom? Because I'm ready. <laughs>
0: She's like, I'm gonna test you. See what you're about. <laughs> Let's think about that. <laughs> well, it's so funny, it goes with what you're saying. It's almost like, she looked at you. So she's like, are you gonna break the curse? Are you gonna break astral the trauma? And you're like, whoa, I didn't ask for all this responsibility. I just
1: have to take care of you and make sure you're alive. <laughs> right, but they, on some level, of course, consciously. Our minds are formed through all of our interactions, but Mm -hmm. then at the same time, we do know through like epigenetics and the fact that when your mother was in your grandmother's uterus, that's when the eggs were formed. So there is part of her that was around for everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When there's a part of her that knows that, and I think rightly when we think about from a public health stance, we want to limit exposure to traumas for children so that they can have the best shot growing up. Yeah, yeah. But from a practical sense, if things have been hard, your mm-hmm. body needs to know. Yes. <laughs> Not going to think they're coming into Kumb- Kumbaya land. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. True. And I th- and it is like definitely, an- I feel like a dialogue with your ancestors and the past and the present and the future. Raising your child and just like getting to do things differently or just a lot of things they'll bring up all your traumas so Mm -hmm. and just things that trigger you they might even have similarities to your personality that it's like oh my gosh is this what it's like for everyone to deal with me (laughs) i
0: love that we're talking about the kid aspect because we will get more into that later but okay so we have that start with us so this is great I really love the fact you do a lot of different videos on TikTok. That's where like, I've seen a lot of your videos, which I really enjoy. They're very informational and you're just so pretty. Like that's also very nice. You're just a very aesthetically nice looking person. You talk a lot about what I like and a lot of different creators have started doing this is living in America when people kind of start reaching back. I feel it breaks down your own biases and things. And you talk about Mm -hmm. this in a few different videos. Yeah.
1: -hmm. And especially when we, because I think there's different ways to connect to your ancestors. So Mm -hmm. just in dominant culture, we don't have this sense of an active living venerate, ancestral veneration on a personal level for most Americans. I feel like there's Mm -hmm. definitely exceptions to that. But the dominant white American culture, especially, there's a disconnect there. But then at the same time, look at Hamilton. We put these statues up, and that's another form of ancestral veneration. Yeah. And I think as we deconstruct, if you're somebody who is, I think, a lot of people who are into witchcraft or folk magic, any of that, there are people who are wanting to dig under the surface and... See the need to rehabilitate things in our culture or just deal with the reality that so many people are waking up to that mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I was raised in this little fake garden. <laughs> <laughs> and you get outside there and none of this was true. What I told was told wasn't true. And I have found that although it took me a long time to connect to my ancestors consciously in that way it has been extremely powerful because it's for me it's been different than I expect it's yeah. definitely that dark goddess not that it's just goddesses at all but it's that kind of dark goddess energy that intensity and also in my opinion in my personal experience as you connect to the older layer of ancestors too because this line goes back to the beginning like your layer of ancestry or your, sorry, like family tree goes back to the beginning of life on earth. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's a really weird, strange process. Yeah. It's <laughs> like whoever your grandma was. So I have found that to be ex a very, extremely powerful allies in that work. Mm-hmm. And I have found it that the sense I get from my ancestors Hat really lines up to what I hear from indigenous people and people of color, where there is this just being real, mm-hmm. being surreal that the ancestors on the other side, the ones who are still around and helping out and, like, are worthy of the title of ancestors because that's a job, not just all the dead. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are worthy of that title, they all know what's going on right now. yeah. They know this moment of change and transformation we're going through, and they also know on a deeper level than what any of us can understand, where we, how we got where we're at now. I saw someone talking about recently, she was saying, I think it was very common, especially for people who have German ancestry, because rightly, there's a lot of shame around that identity and what has happened in the past few hundred years, and specifically Mm -hmm. with the Holocaust. And there is a lot of shame around that. However, when the whole of the history of the last 500 years has been a complete shit show, Mm -hmm. (laughs) nobody is particularly more, I don't know, it's not like there's an easy bad guy, good guy. And I think that's something that actually was very influenced by who podcast like It's Jujube? Mm-hmm. Um, because I realized I had always been hesitant because, first of all, I just thought, oh, we're just normal white people growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, my great-grandpa spoke German and had a sick German accent. But, I'm like, this is what white people are like. Yeah. And, and- <laughs> 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 because at World War II, we just stopped speaking because we've been in America, like, 300 years. And we weren't—I only— I don't think I have any direct ancestors who were around in that, in Germany in that time. Mm-hmm. And, but we stopped speaking German because my ancestors are from Pennsylvania or a, a quarter of them at least. Mm-hmm. And then you just never talked about it. It was just like, like the white color of the walls nobody talks about. And, but then when I was like listening to It's be talk about stuff, it's like I realized, wait a second here. If African-Americans in their spiritual practices are dealing with their ancestors and they are being supported by their ancestors and they're dealing with that conflict inside themselves mm-hmm. because they have both sides of that inside themselves, mm-hmm. then what excuse do I have? <laughs> like, it must be possible. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> not <angry> because <laughs> it was bad and it was just you're talking to all the bad people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> engineers wouldn't be doing
2: that.
0: <laughs> but everything you're saying is so. true. I think, and I was having this discussion with people. Like, no matter who you are, where your family's from, you reach far enough back, you have a problematic ancestor. Everybody yeah. has one. Mm-hmm. Like, and you have multiple. We all have multiple po- problematic ancestors, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter your race ethnicity your religion somebody did something wrong and they probably Thank shouldn't you. have done that but it doesn't take away from being proud of your culture or the take away from like the, the interesting folk tales it's okay to have all that and it's okay to be like yeah i probably had an ancestor who eh,
1: was not so great like, yeah. well that's- Part of my family's Mormon mm-hmm. and like came across on the plains and was part of that whole colonization of the West. And yeah, we all have that, especially in America. I think in some ways that's a strength for us as Americans, because mm-hmm. those of us who are socially aware and spiritual and starting to uncover these things, we have, we are in the new world, which is not a new world. <laughs> We are here and we have, like, oh crap, we see what we did. Like, we can look at pictures from a couple hundred years ago and it's like, wow, that river is gone. What the crap happened? Yes. Buffalo cutting down the redwoods for no reason. Like, we didn't need to cut down all everything. And that's so blatant in our face. And the history of slavery, I think, for a lot of Europeans, I haven't spent time i have european friends in america but i haven't gotten to spend time in europe yet Mm -hmm. but the sense i get is that a lot of european countries don't see how complicit they are in Mm -hmm. the situations in the rest of the world uh i was watching i was watching something i think it was in the netherlands i'm always Mm -hmm. getting The Netherlands and Denmark, that's my confession. I'm always getting the Netherlands and Denmark confused. That's okay. What's the Netherlands? It's the Dutch. And mm-hmm. they're the ones who were the big slavers, or mm-hmm. one of the big flavors. I, I watched a little video where they were talking about how the Dutch like to say that they're a model country for the rest of the world because they're so equal and mm. progressive and all this stuff. And then and you're like, bro. And then you're yeah. like, yeah, it's just, and then, like a lot of the people, because of that history of colonization, there's—I can't remember which country specifically was a colony and has that relationship. There's a lot of Black people who have ended up there because of that, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Hello," <laughs> like I live on a street—it's named after a slaver. Yeah. <laughs> and, but in America, if your eyes are open, which mm-hmm. more and more people are, thank goodness. We just can't ignore that. And that's good because there's no reason to keep, if you're really sick, you should go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Ignoring it or trying to be love and light or you can't really grow that way. You, and we can't change ourselves by abandoning our folk culture. Mm-hmm. I think we then actually do abandon it to, unfortunately, people who are do not have good motivations, <laughs> yeah, and I think that happens a lot in specifically the kind of heathen spirituality place. I think of culture as a process too. We should all be proud because we're alive and our ancestors survived, and the majority mm-hmm. of that is relatively wholesome-ish as families are, a mixed bag. Everything you're saying, I check mark because I was just thinking while you
0: were talking, I was reading about somewhere where the British were like, ugh, we are so much better than Americans because Americans had slavery for a mad long. But we realized a few decades earlier that it was wrong. I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me, um, one, just me, quick question. I'm like, British, do you guys remember the whole, like, the sun doesn't, the, what is it? This, yes, uh, I never
1: said. So on the British.
0: British Empire, remember that whole thing? Yeah. Remember how you guys... We're, quote unquote, conquering everybody and then killing people and then making them all abandon their culture. Do you
1: think that's like so much better? Like I don't think making like, like India would like to enter the chat. India, New Zealand, Australia, they have some things to say. My revenue. <laughs> My revenue. Yeah up one so we'll give you that exactly like oh okay like this is not a terrible olympics and just you like <laughs> and i think it's up getting us out of accountability to be honest because it's yes. engaging and i think we're really scared because i think in like that dominant waspy american culture it's just so embarrassing to be wrong or be mm-hmm. ignorant and all of that but it's just like guys the cat's out of the bag <laughs> What do we know is we're right? ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing. And it's not <laughs> your fault because the country still completely segregated. So yeah. yeah, it's and those things are awkward and it's okay. And the first time you talk to someone from a new culture, you're going to misunderstand and you might look silly and that's okay. And, and I think it's so important that
0: people understand. Also, like, like you just said, it's okay to look silly. It's also okay to ask people about their culture as long as you're not being an asshole about it. Yeah. yeah, if you have a question like why, for instance, I have friends of different religions and if I don't understand why they're doing something or something, I just ask in a polite way, like, hey, oh, is mm-hmm. that like, a part of your custom? Because, and if I don't know, I can try to Google it. And if there are somebody close to me and they don't mind me asking, I'll ask them. But like, it's important to just educate yourself. You don't have to just be embarrassed and then get mm-hmm. mad. Okay, nobody's mad at you, but then try to educate
1: yourself. Just try. Because like, <laughs> if you ask a question and then someone's like, hey, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you never have to ask that particular question again. It's <laughs> like <walk> another route. <laughs> like, it's, just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that was offensive. And then Google it. And then, <laughs> then you'll be Bye. fine. Like this thing that, uh, this whole myth of whiteness that it's like there's some hierarchy of humans and that we're supposed to be smarter and better and like more civilized. Mm -hmm. I think, even though I think a lot of people, obviously that sounds bad now. And so a lot of people wouldn't say that directly. That's like the foundation Mm -hmm. of the way we're taught to think about history and the rest of the world and like a kind of way we fetishize our type of technology and things like that. That just wasn't ever true because Mm -hmm. people are just people. All people are really smart. (laughs) Exactly. And all people are stupid too and like silly and like we're apes. I don't know. I think that that fear just like keeps you from connecting. It's that cycle. Our culture wants to get us all so afraid and Mm -hmm. separate from each other. And so I think that can even be an offering you give. and You can say, you know what? I... I'm going to enter into things and make friendships with people who are different than me and mm-hmm. have experiences I haven't had. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to be a student. Fr- yeah, because yeah. that's what I, we all are. We'll wake and listen mm-hmm. and learn to be helpful. That's I all you got to do. Honestly, we, we don't need to solve anything. Like, mm-mm. we all have things on our plate, things we can give, things that it's our job to solve. But the whole world that's everybody's job yeah Yeah. no that's perfect that's so true everybody the world will be easier just learn okay (laughs) i I say this and yet like all the time i'm so overthinking just especially because being on the internet because it's like you can i just like people who you didn't know were in the room end up in the room and you're like whoa that's what i said i (laughs) know I know it's so hard.
0: And I feel like that's another thing that people and I I hate it, but I get it. I used to be like, oh, people who are afraid, so afraid of this. It's because Mm they are. No, no, no. like you can say anything and somebody can be like, I didn't like that. Which number one, it's fine. But I think the most important thing is to engage in in helpful, constructive conversations is important. Mm -hmm. Don't just yell and scream that you don't like something. And then when someone comes to you and they like, let me know what I said to you or what I said that wasn't, and then you're just like, nah, shut up. That's not helpful. No. If you, if somebody really is offended or I've done things where I know I've said something incorrectly and someone has explained to me or said, Hey, that wasn't right. People will take offense to it. And if I can learn from that, that just makes me a better person. And Without yelling and screaming at me, I'm more apt to be like, yeah, okay, let me figure out what the problem... Even so, it depends on the kind of person you are. But, like, I am always more apt to be like, okay, I want to educate myself. I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to upset anyone or disregard somebody's culture. So I always want to learn. But it's easier when we all can help each other a little bit out. Yeah. And at least just not... You don't have to teach everybody. You don't have to be the representative for your culture, but just don't be a dick about
1: it. Yeah. 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 And I think each of us, were in a different position. Some of us are just curious and I make content mm-hmm. and share it. And so then because I did that, there's a certain level of responsibility I have to hold a safe container mm-hmm. for other people. And it is something that I'm pretty, I don't always know exactly how to go about it, but it's something that I'm very aware of because, yeah, it just comes up a lot. I avoided learning, digging into, I guess, German customs and history and folk magic. I avoided that for like decades because mm-hmm. of some of that stigma that we have around that, and mm-hmm. just it just made it invisible. We're just like, oh yeah, we're white people. We're normal white people. would not even seem weird. <laughs> <laughs> but then and I think too the main thing is like the whole Odinist thing because mm-hmm. the whole nor I think the Norse heathen side of things takes up a lot of air in the room. That isn't that's actually people anytime they talk about German mythology or German gods, they always go straight to Norse, but that's from like up in Iceland. So that's the very mm-hmm. tip of the Germanic world that goes the whole way down into the edges of Czechoslovakia and then yeah. Al- France. It's very far away from Iceland. Not that there isn't a lot of connection. There definitely is. Mm-hmm. But then that, because I'm in America, I have lived most of my life in the West. I live in Pennsylvania too, but mostly in the West. Mm-hmm. And so most of the people who are like, oh, I'm a heathen. I'm an ink it's like this kind of military, Odinist, very, sometimes very white supremacist stuff. Yeah. And so I think rightfully I was like, ah, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah don't we stay away from skinheads. Oh, no. Yeah. And then it's like I didn't even realize where do you think the fairy tales come from? Where do, mm-hmm. yeah. Where do you think Sleeping Beauty comes from? Yeah. do you think and Gretel comes from? Yeah. And those stories, that's like a whole different world of wisdom and myth and connection than the, the warrior thing. Because it, it ends up being like those fairy tales. Not that there aren't warrior stories and ghost stories that involve warriors. But a lot of it has to do with like old women looking out for little scoundrel orphans Mm and you know giving them little breadcrumbs to survive (laughs) that's like a whole different world yeah Mm. this is mm, so good
0: oh i love that Mm. yeah okay we're gonna go to our dish of the week and we're gonna talk about some pennsylvania dutch classics Mm. on account of this is your background and this is what you love to talk about and we love to hear about it So, we're going to talk about some different foods that you'll find in the Pennsylvania Dutch area. And I've mentioned it before. I think I actually mentioned this on like a podcast or two ago. One thing I love about Pennsylvania Dutch, and I'm specifically right now talking about Amish people, we'll get Mm -hmm. into the whole cavocation, is their furniture that has nothing to do with ditches, (laughs) but they have the best furniture. And I will bring it up every time. Amish people can build some furniture. Let me tell you. It's <laughs> really are...
1: interesting because some of them simply don't like, they all have different rules. And mm-hmm. so some of the furniture makers, I know like my family commissioned a big table. It was very wishful thinking on my dad's part. Like <laughs> a table with like a million leaves. that like, can just mm-hmm. stretch you the whole, it's like you might want to be invested in relationships with your children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, but it. They'll have like called hydraulic woodworking tools, which is really interesting. That yes, that they're not like on the grid because every single group will have different rules about if they're allowed to use electricity or what the rules are around it.
0: Yes, there's this guy on TikTok who I also follow. I think his name is um, Eli Yoder. He Mm -hmm. is. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, he is a former Amish and he's from like the he says the old world order, so it's like a very strict
1: He's a character. Oh yeah. He's yeah. hilarious. I love <laughs>
0: oh I, think, I think he's so funny. Um but I love watching his videos because he is super awesome. He answers any question people have about the Amish, he explains and he has his story about his life is also it's a lot, but it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's very funny. If you ever want to know about Amish culture, I'm sure there's plenty of really good Amish TikTokers. Mm-hmm. The ones who can get on the internet
1: or are allowed to. They're, it's very I interesting. I of like former Amish too. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if count right now, but there was a woman on Amish. I was like going to say Amish talk. Maybe that's... what the fuck. Who was former Amish, and it was so interesting because she was really into, like, fashion and makeup. And to hear her talk about how she thought about her bonnet when she was Amish and how she would sit just so. So the line <laughs> of her bonnet would match up because she just thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And she's just Aww. sitting here in her bonnet. Oh, wow, this is such a fun. That's why I love TikTok because, like, mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't get it to peek into people's lives and their interior in that way i know. thought about that like the girly amish girls because you know they're there
0: of course (laughs) like some of them are like making their hems just because they're like "Ah, i look cute like this and like like good for them watching church it doesn't matter what your culture is what you want to look cute you want to look cute yeah (laughs) it doesn't matter okay so some of the foods we have here we've got uh potato donuts. so potato Mm. donuts. You use mashed potatoes or riced potatoes, whole milk, eggs, butter, sugar, baking, baking powder, all-purpose prop- all flour, and you deep fry them. They probably like those, like, cakey donuts, not mm-hmm. like the fried donuts, and those can be really good. So we got that. Then we got some good old-fashioned pork chops. Let's see what we're putting on the pork chops. We got butter, pineapple juice. You can go on the pork chops, mm-hmm. ketchup. I like, yeah, I like that because that sweetness probably is really good. White vinegar, honey, mustard, salt, cornstarch, water. That sounds nice.
1: We always make pork chops for for New Year's. It's the traditional, you'll have sauerkraut and pork chops for New Year's as like mm-hmm. a good meal. Okay. And that you'll put a bit of pa- sauerkraut and then the pork chops, Which I think you'll, like, caramelize those for, or not, that's not the right word. Brown them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then apples, brown sugar, and then it, like, cooks a really long time. So it's really good. Mm. Okay,
0: yeah, that sounds really delicious. That's another thing about the Pennsylvania Dutch people. Y'all can cook some serious food. It's not a joke, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You go... We have an yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's still there, but we used to have an Amish market not far from where I lived and their breads, their pretzels, every, oh my God, it's their butter. Everything is like
1: better. It's, we are known to like to eat. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I don't blame you you guys. You can all They're like, it's interesting because since the Pennsylvania Dutch community, I think we'll get into this a little bit, they came as a more family units and Mm -hmm. before germany existed as a country and it was mostly poor people at that point when pennsylvania was settled Mm -hmm. and so they really brought like peasant culture to the americas and so there's definitely this different attitude about eating and even i think to some extent like fatness because just more people are big in pennsylvania especially compared to like utah utah is like Mm. i don't know Instagram uh, influencer land <laughs> right but there was this Pennsylvania Dutch saying that uh, translates to a, a something like a plump wife and a big bar never did a man horse hey it's true <laughs> though it's true.
0: <laughs> it's true though and if you see a lot of the time not specifically Pennsylvania Dutch but you think of like how... And I don't know if it's always good, so I don't mean to be, like, w- mm-hmm. weird, but, like, how German women are depicted, right? Whether it's, like, old-timey stuff. They were always bigger women. They were mm-hmm. always very strong women. They were always, like, they got their shit together quickly, mm-hmm. and they usually got their husband's shit together quick. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a story. I can't remember which town it is, but there's a story of in the Middle Ages where there were – a town, a wall town was being laid siege, mm-hmm. and something happened where they were letting the women out. And they're like, You, the women, you can leave and carry whatever you can on your back. Mm-hmm. And they all carried their husbands on their back. <laughs> <Out>. yeah, <laughs>
0: there's always like that toughness depicted. So I feel like people think that way. So I feel like if they see a German woman or a Pennsylvania Dutch that's like a little bigger. Oh, yeah, that's chill. Like, that's how they are. Like, it's, they're working. Like, they're busy
1: women. Yeah. They're they're, like fat phobia did come from wealthy people, Mm -hmm. like seeing how pious they are. Yes. And for a lot of us, for most of history, we couldn't really afford to just be choosing to skip meals like that. It's a weird thing to do.
0: It is. And if you think about even most cultures, like you said, most cultures, the middle or peasant classes, the mm-hmm. women were usually built to work. Like they were mm-hmm. not sitting home all day and dainty little things and work. Well, no. We,
1: they weren't getting married as young either. This like idealizing really young women that are small and easy to control that just wasn't, not that there wasn't patriarchy for sure. Yeah. We, we have issues for sure. But, like, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And even just certain things, like people say now, like, oh, we used to need to get, be able to get fat because people would go hungry. But now it's bad. It's like, you do realize there are hungry people now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you yo, can't. what? <laughs> <laughs> all of that. You do realize. Like, you know, there are people I who don't eat. you should talk like that. It's like, you guys, knock on wood. What you mean? Yeah. like it's. Yeah, I hope we still have enough food the whole time I'm away. That'd be great. I know. <laughs> like, it's, scary. <laughs> it's scary, and it's scary out here. Speaking
0: of that, like kind of peasant culture. Another thing you f- I found when I was like reading about the different foods is a lot of these foods are like down home foods like Mm -hmm. foods you can make with what's growing Mm -hmm. around you or if you have a little garden or you got an apple tree you're making apple butter or apple pie like those kinds of foods that now we idealize as country foods like back backwoods kind of food people were not just making it to be cute now Mm -hmm. people make it to be cute and put it on instagram back then it was like no we got apples yeah (laughs) so we're gonna make We got Mm -hmm. apples, we got flour, we
1: got wheat, we got yeast. So we're making a pie or making some bread. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, uh, of course, there's like a spectrum of people because people came from different socioeconomic backgrounds. And especially as time went on and America became more developed and the cities became more livable, Mm -hmm. there were more and more immigrants coming from Germany, who had more money, mm-hmm. but I do think that when I think about the Pennsylvania Dutch, it's very much that down to earth, just type thing. Like my family, there they were farmers up until like my grandpa was the first one to go to college, mm-hmm. and so they were just very like humble people and down to earth people, and there really was a value of using what you have because um, it wasn't, uh, yeah, because you need to and that's how you should do it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. And I love that. So the other foods we have, I'm just going to tell you guys what it is and then we're going to go to our next part. We got blueberry jam, which is a jam and it's delicious. Who doesn't love a blueberry jam? We got apple butter, which who doesn't love that? (laughs) baked apples and corn pie again all the all the links will be in the show notes if you want to look up like how to make those things but i just want to get to the next part because we still have a lot to talk about guys this is whole thing continuation okay real quick we're gonna plug the podcast because i have to do it right so if you guys are enjoying this please follow me on make sure that you're subscribed so you can get a new episode every thursday it's free you can do it um We're Dying with the Divine on Instagram and Facebook and Threads and TikTok. If you really enjoy this show, please pause now, or if you're driving, do it later. You can give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps a lot, so I love when you guys do it. Thank you so much. And if you want to, you can give me a little tip if you really feel inclined. And if you have any suggestions for episodes, questions, comments, constructive critiques... Feel free to email me at dinewiththedivinepod at gmail.com. I will talk to you. Don't worry. Just let me know if you want to talk. Okay, here we go. We're on to our tea time section. We've got to get going because this is serious, guys. So we're talking about Pennsylvania Dutch. Now, some of you may say, who the hell is that? Maybe if you're not in America, you might be like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Let me tell you. There's a whole story behind it, okay? So we have to start the (laughs) (laughs) beginning. So everybody, picture it. We're in lower Rhineland, so this is like lower Germany. Hex Marie said before, Germany was like a bunch, it was like how Italy was like a bunch of principalities at one time instead of just like a country. So it was Germany. Like kingdoms. Yes, that's what it is. A bunch of mm-hmm. kingdoms. And there was lots of princes, think Snow White, era, think all that. Like there was a lot going on. And everybody had very elaborate outfits. And it was cute. <laughs> the royalty. If you look back at their outfits, they're very cool. Anyway, yeah. so it's we're in lower Germany. So this is in the 1600s, early 1600s. The Reformation has happened. And now there's northern Germans that are still Protestants, while the lower Rhineland, so the lower part of Germany, they were still Catholic and Anabaptist. Now, quick note, you're like, what are you talking about? Reach back in your minds. You guys heard about the Reformation. Remember Martin Luther? He was German. He said, F you, Catholic Church, you guys are doing the most. He got real mad. He wrote a whole list of things that he needed to change, and he put it on the door of a church. And everybody's like, oh, shit. The Catholic Church has communicated him. And he's like, no problem. I'm going to start my own branch of churches, and we're going to be Protestants because we're protesting. Get it? And we hate art. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we hate art. Screw that. (laughs) You probably didn't hate art, sir, but I understand. That was a good problem. <laughs> oh, God. The other problem is that during the Middle Ages, which is a little bit before this, the Catholic Church was taking tons of money from everybody they could because they wanted to paint the Sistine Chapel and shit. And so everybody got sick of that shit. <laughs> they were like, they're coming around to the villages. They're not coming around to the princes and the kings and the emperors they're asking regular ass people who probably don't have a lot of money there's a big gap these days between poor people and rich people there's not much of a middle class yeah so they're going around telling everybody their mom's in purgatory and they can't get out until they give them a donation and everybody got real sick of that shit (laughs)
2: they
0: were like we don't have money to begin with catholic church so that's part of why martin luther started to get so pissed off right so that's one of the many reasons he got mad we could do a whole episode on martin luther and we might one day anyway (laughs) so now the germany that's not really germany but we're going to call it that right now it's split right like i said the northerners are going to be protestants they're going with martin luther and the lower the germans in southern germany they're going to be Catholic and Anabaptist. We're going to get to Anabaptist. Don't worry. Just remember that. There was a whole war. There's this called the 30-year war. And it just kept mm-hmm. happening. And it really sucked. And
1: everybody was really, really unhappy. It was really bad. Because yeah. I like, think there were areas in Germany, and specifically like southern, southwest Germany, close to the Pennsylvania Vest came from where like 70 to 90% of people died sometimes. Yeah. from the wars and... Also, the sickness and famine and all that stuff that comes with it. Yes. It was not a good time.
0: It was okay. And let's that now keep in mind everything, she, everything Hexmere just said, that's happening now. More shit's about to happen. And it's all happening <laughs> at the same time. Like, so, <laughs> so, the area that you were just talking about, we call the Palin mm-hmm. Okay. So, that's the area, of the southwest, southeast or southwest? It's Southwest, like, near the border of France. Yes, that's where we are. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So Southwest, this is, like, really shitty for them, right? So now mm-hmm. in between all of this war, for, like, 300 years almost, there was burning times because there mm-hmm. was issues with the Protestants and the Catholics. There was a bunch of political instability. And you had this 30 years war. And they were all happening at the same time. And everybody was dying. And everybody was starving. And it was really bad. So yeah, during... Yeah, so during this time, over 100,000 people were also accused of witchcraft. And a lot of those people were killed because everybody's so nervous about the Christianity thing. It's not just about witches. It was about political power. It's about different kingdoms and different things. So it's a lot. So there was a lot of fear and everybody was really nervous. And so they were accusing their neighbors. They were accusing this one, that one, whoever, because people were scared. And sometimes accusing someone is better than you getting your own neck cut off. So you say, Mm -hmm. oh, I saw Sally out there in the nighttime when she was just
1: trying to go to the bathroom. But but you said she was dancing in the moon. So it's fine. A lot of it, too, was like noblemen. uh, accusing beggars and things. Yes. There were so many layers to it. It was definitely very nasty. And it was also a time when we have this narrative about feminism, specifically Mm -hmm. feminism, that. It's like things used to be the worst. Cavemen were bashing women over the head, and they've just gotten better and better till now. Mm -hmm. But That's actually not that accurate. (laughs) It was actually between the the late Middle Ages and then now was some of the worst time in history for women, at least European women and Mm -hmm. German women specifically. And they lost a lot of rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they lost the ability to work outside the home during mm-hmm. the Reformation. That was one of Martin Luther's big things where he's like, women should be in the kitchen. And he shut down like all the monist or the, what is it? When it's a monastery, but for women. Oh, a convent. A convent. Mm-hmm. He shut down all the convents and those women had to get married or become spinsters. Mm-hmm. And the women were kicked out of the trades. So it's just like things were very bad. And obviously, there, I'm, there, one other big thing that was happening then is this is when capitalism was made. And so what was happening is there used to be these arrangements with the noblemen and the peasants where the peasants lived on the land and kind of belonged to the land. And, the peasant, and then the king would take his taxes, but the peasants could had a lot of freedom like there were common areas yeah that were owned in common the forests were like food forests that mm-hmm. everyone could access everyone had a right to hunt and fish and then during this time during the reformation the there's a crisis in feudalism where they're like not making enough rents mm-hmm. and because of all the plagues and stuff the peasants have more power because of there aren't that many so they can leverage that yeah because a lot of people died and so then what the royal the people in church are doing is what is called enclosing the commons mm. so the things that used to belong to everyone like the food forests and the rivers the king starts to even sometimes put fences up this happened in england too this was a all wow. through europe where they put fences around these places that used to belong to everyone so that people can't live off the land anymore
2: Mm. and
1: so that forces people that creates serfdom and that forces people t- so they can't live off the land anymore so they become vagrants and mm-hmm. there's all these problems that just keep cascading from that mm. um, and then that is ultimately too. what eventually because the pennsylvania dutch are not as a rule they're not like adventurous people mm-hmm. per se like my family's, is like you look at my family history it's like they land in Lancaster County and they don't move until my mom. (laughs) And that's like 300 years. So it's like knowing them, it's like, you know, they're not the kind of people to just be like, hey, let's uproot all of our livelihoods on Mm -hmm. a whim. These aren't like Vikings. These are like farmers. These are like... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like you really sense That for them, there was a lot of desperation where it's just they were sick of the wars. And then they were also and Germany and France keep fighting over them, too. That's what I was going to say. And Uh, the French right now are controlled by the Holy Roman
0: Empire. Right. So the the Catholic Church. So that part of Germany that you're talking about,
1: it was literally in the middle of it all. Like, Mm -hmm. it sucks. Yeah. it's, Yeah. (laughs) It's really bad. The maps of like the witch trials too, it's the same thing where that's like the concentration of the worst ones. down mm-hmm. right in southern Germany and southwest Germany, it's like I don't know. <laughs> it's like like wild. these days, people love to be online and I would love the social programs of Europe too. Of course I'm a socialist, but mm-hmm. But a lot of people will idealize that. And I think a lot of people who are into this, like, German folk magic talk about how Germany is better mm-hmm. than my friends who live there. But, like, for me, I'm like, we got to miss World War II. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah. The plus. We missed a yeah. lot. <laughs> World War I, too. I feel like it was, I, I've gotten a good deal, I feel like. And it makes me want to feel more committed to hear because it's like I've really benefited. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know it's my responsibilities, and I love America too. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. No, you're not because we're, we're we're getting back to what you're talking about. So, <laughs> so,
0: so we got that all that stuff is happening. Thirty Years' War, witchcraft trials. Uh, the the French are like screw you guys. You're too close to us, so we're gonna fight you. So there's a lot going on, right? So a lot of people, like you just said, like a lot of people are like, we gotta get the out (laughs) of here. This is crazy. Of course, like you said too, they don't want to leave. And most people around the world would probably choose Mm -hmm. not to leave where they live if it was fine. They don't Mm -hmm. want to leave. People be like, As much as I also find there's a lot of things that I will complain about the United States, but there's a lot of things that I am lucky that I grew up in the United States. People will be like, oh, no, people come from other countries because they hate it there. It's not because they hate their culture or they hate it there. Usually it's because something is going wrong and and they don't want to die or they don't want their family to die or they realize they can't, their children will not progress in that society. So they leave. It's not because they want to. Anyway, a lot of people left. And there was a couple different groups. There were a lot of settlers and they were called the fancy Dutch. So they're descendants from mostly Catholic, Lutheran, and Reformed Christians. So they came, a lot of them were able to come first probably because they had a little bit more money. Not that much, but a little bit. So then there was other Germans who came and they came because they were being persecuted. So those are your Anabaptists. So mm-hmm. your Anabaptists are people that we know as groups like the Amish... Or Mennonites, they were also called the Plain Dutch. So they Mm -hmm. were, but they were not only these people, they were also people who were farmers who came from the, especially this part near France, Mm -hmm. Alsace Lorraine region, where there was a lot of these German people who were living there. Some of them came from the Netherlands. Some of them came from Switzerland. So the Anabaptists specifically, they first sought refuge in Germany, but then they left and they went to Pennsylvania. Now, you're like, what? Pennsylvania? Yes. So So William Penn, he was a Quaker leader, and he was given Pennsylvania from King Charles II because King Charles II owed his dad a bunch of money. So instead, he's like, do you want this big piece of land? And he's like, okay. (laughs) So initially he called it New Wales, but then he called it Sylvania from the Latin word silva meaning forest. However, then King Charles eventually took matters into his own hand and named it Pennsylvania or Penn's woods in honor (laughs) of Penn's father. Penn was like a Quaker. If you guys know anything about Quakers, they're really into everybody being cool and having rice and shit. They were like, He was like, I want everybody to come here and do whatever the fuck they want and have a good time. He made it safe for people who were getting persecuted in Europe to come over. The Baptists and the fancy Dutch and the plain Dutch were like, great. We're having trouble over there and we need some place to hang out. So they came. A lot of them um, settled in the southern central areas of Pennsylvania, now called Pennsylvania Dutch country. Now, Dutch, you're like, yeah, some of them came from the Netherlands, but Dutch... People said Dutch because they meant Deutsch,
1: Deutschland, like Germany. That's like the and Dutch used to be. It's an archaic English catch-all term for all the Germanic languages. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I used to think that too because I used to think it's like, oh, they're trying to say Deutsch. And yeah. I even know we have from other Pennsylvania Dutch people. Then in just the past couple years, I. Did some more research and realize, oh, they used to just say Dutch because you've been talking about the Rhineland. So the Rhine River runs straight through the heart of the majority of that first wave of settlers. Mm-hmm. And that river starts in Switzerland in the Alps and then it flows it flows north and exits in the Netherlands. Okay. It's the line between Germany and France at the southern part Mm -hmm. and then it goes up and it goes through i don't have the whole map but there's all those countries there (laughs) that's funny (laughs) european geography than i used to be So not perfect but they would come out of the netherlands because they that's how they would migrate they'd get on boats and And so everyone who came from the germanic speaking countries they called them all dutch wow Get very confusing. I even just like, I'm often like, okay, how should I word this? <laughs> it's like, yeah.
0: I'm so glad you told me because I always heard it was because of the Deutsch thing. But mm-hmm. so now I understand. Thank you so much. I'm seeing this is what I'm talking about. That's why I love to learn. Okay. <laughs> now I know. They came, some of them even settled in areas of Maryland, North Carolina, and Virginia. Um, but even here, they were still have problems, right? Because nice. shit is just, it could never be okay. So, <laughs> for anybody. <laughs> so, um, one of their most famous critics was Benjamin Franklin, who complained about them in his book. He wrote a whole book complaining about them in 1751. He was like, Why should the Palatine Boards be suffered to swarm into our settlements and by herding together establish their language and manners to the exclusion of ours. Why should Pennsylvania, founded by the English, become a colony of aliens who will shortly be so numerous as to Germanize us instead of us anglifying them and will never adopt our language or custom any more than they can
1: acquire our complexion? What a dick oh thing gosh. to say. <laughs> what? Oh, I forgot. We're playing the who's the whitest <laughs> <laughs> like... I'll acquire our collection. i'm like but y'all white like, but it's white me it really shows you these when you get into the weird history of the close of the whiteness it really shows you just how bogus the whole thing is <laughs> yeah wow, and they would say that too even in germany i've come across stuff like i need to actually finish it. i've read half of it but the history of white people i can't remember the author right now it's such a good book mm. but she goes into all these concepts of race and goes back to Germany, and it's like the Germans and English and Americans just like oh, one upping each other on how the worst idea you could make, and, <laughs> <laughs> and they always are saying that like Southern people, that the, the Anglo-Saxons are the most, I guess, the whitest and most evolved humans, and even the more Southern you get in Southern Germany oh, those people are, like, swarthy and more like animals. And they're, like... (laughs) It's just like you guys. (laughs) This is why we shouldn't have, like, royals who don't, like, be part of society and just get to sit and write stupid books. Yeah! (laughs)
0: This
1: is uh, annoying. Like, you guys are almost exactly the same.
0: Everybody needs to just take it down a notch. Like, please. Yeah.
1: Drink some water and get it team <laughs> No one wins. <laughs>
0: it's
2: okay.
0: Oh God. So, Benjamin Franklin's pissed off because they're speaking German and they won't "quote unquote" assimilate when everybody's white. So it doesn't matter. He's mad. So anyway, that's fine. So they had some problems, but some of the "quote unquote" fancy Dutch were able to gain some respect because they were seen as really hard workers and they were very industrious mm-hmm. and they had businesses in philadelphia where they started their own area called germantown which is still there today they have great christmas fairs and they have have really nice stuff it's really cool the pennsylvania dutch ended up playing a large part in the revolutionary war especially because a lot of the revolutionary war was in pennsylvania like gettysburg yorktown and then they oh sorry gettysburg i meant towards the civil war because they also had a big they also were in the civil war too Mm -hmm. they were out here fighting for america and america was still pissed at them so rude I um, think that happened with every group, basically.
1: And it was kind of, it's interesting because I did a little research since the last time we talked, the stuff with Benjamin Franklin, and I can't remember his name right now. I think it was Sauer, and mm-hmm. he had started the first German printing press in mm. Philadelphia, and so he was rivals to Benjamin Franklin. Okay. And Sauer was against the Revolutionary War because he thought we're just going to form standing armies and it's just going to create problems and we'll never stop being in wars. Mm-hmm. And isn't that why we came here together? Yeah. We're going to end up in the exact same position we were in Europe and then other people and Benjamin Franklin and, and you are like, you, that's naive. Mm-hmm. And when that side won the Battle of History and I see this, that Revolutionary War was like a initiation that like tied us to america and it went a lot of ways for worse solidified us into that american yeah i don't know the machine
2: Mm -hmm. you know
1: it's wild and there's a lot of ghost stories from that time like a lot of revolutionary war and gettysburg ghost stories it's Mm -hmm. like that the effects of that still like ripple through the community i feel like as it does as yeah yeah
0: so then as you had said before actually during the world wars so the first and second world wars which were like the quote-unquote bad guy ended up being germany both times right so a lot of uh pennsylvania dutch and german americans stopped speaking german um, and started speaking english because they were trying to assimilate more and just be like i'm just a white guy i'm just a white guy which i can't blame them because Shit happens like that today whenever something goes wrong and some people, some people cannot help the way they look. So they are attacked for looking like whoever everybody decided they want to be mad at this week. The Pennsylvania Dutch were like, maybe we can get away with just speaking English and then nobody will realize and people won't be assholes to us. Yeah, so a lot of areas where people were speaking German, just like you said, your great grandfather was speaking German people stopped because they were like, this is getting touchy now. But groups like the Anabaptists, a lot of them, most of them still speak German. Mm -hmm. Um, And depending on if they are how much they are in contact with everybody else in their area, some groups don't speak English at all. They'll
1: just speak German. Um, So and people in the Midwest too, like a lot of the Midwest had tons of German newspapers Mm-hmm. And they most of those closed down during World War One, but then in the heart of like Pennsylvania Dutch country, mm-hmm. it still was where everyone spoke German. Like I remember my great grandpa; he lived until just a few years ago, mm. and so I knew him growing up. And my grandfather didn't speak Pennsylvania Dutch, but he understood it. But mm-hmm. it was he was that generation where they stopped speaking it. Mm-hmm. And he, my great grandpa, would sit around and just be like. Oh, in my day, he had a, I can't do it well, but he had a German accent. And he's like, my day, everyone used to speak Dutch. But now everyone's speaking Spanish.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just like, yeah, Grandpa. Okay. Is, is that true, Gramps? Okay. <laughs> Fine. Don't worry. Oops. And they still, he would say the English this, the English that. Just talking yeah. about normal Americans. <laughs> <laughs> English, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's
0: one thing I love about, like, former <laughs> Amish TikTokers. They'll be like, the English
1: and their button-up shirts. Like, what, <laughs> oh my this? I saw, I need, I need to find the reality show, but there's a reality show where they take Amish people around and show them, like, normal life. Yeah. When this they took these two young women to the grocery store and they saw in the floral section like sticks wrapped up. Yeah. And one was just like, they're selling sticks. English people will buy anything. <laughs> and, and we listen one of them was like, come on, English people are really busy. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're lazy. I might <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so called out I'm like, oh. I did buy sticks last year. First of all, I'm like, they're not wrong. To be honest, they're
0: not. (laughs) you (laughs)
2: thief.
0: English people will buy anything and she's right. (laughs) It's so sad, she's so right. That Amish girl's like, "Mm, these people are dumb. You know, you can get this for free in the
1: forest. (laughs) No, I mean, it's just like walk outside, idiot. That is so funny. Oh God oh
0: that is our short history of me Pennsylvania Dutch and oof, I learned so much I love it now we're going to go on to our story time we're going to talk about Frau Bertha now I'm probably not saying that wrong. yeah but, uh,
1: it's Frau Bertha but Bertha, Bertha. It's yeah like beer um, Bertha. Okay. Bertha. yeah it took me a while I made those first mistakes publicly on TikTok yeah, that was funny okay
0: (laughs) and you know what because it's the way it's also written i'm reading it and i'm like that's not right okay we're gonna talk about frau birta and i'm gonna put it in the show notes we're gonna have a little sensitive content warning at times we are gonna talk about child loss so if you're sensitive to that it's no problem i'm gonna put a little note and i'll let you know when we'll talk about it We won't talk about it too long but she has a lot to do with that so who is she? What's going on here? She has mad names, first of all. she And they're all spelled mm-hmm. slightly different. Huh, there's like six names here. I'm not going to try to pronounce all of them because I'm going <laughs> to say them wrong. Sometimes it's um, Bertha and sometimes it started with like a P. I don't know if it's pronounced yeah. differently or...
1: It's not really that different. I think it's Bertha, Perten, Okay. Berthe. Like the sounds in German are very similar. And so um. they're pretty much interchangeable.
0: Okay got it all right so where is she from so this is a a deity right so she's from the alpine region of germany so this is south southern germany bavaria and
1: also like austria and switzerland
0: yes all those i just think of like beautiful snow-laden trees because that's what i think of in my mind And
1: even into like france too okay
0: so, yeah like the, that tip of france where there's
1: still yeah and she'll be called bertha sometimes oh so. okay because she like she is a goddess but then she became during the christian era and the middle ages her mythology spread further as well Oh, yeah Okay. there's always layers of oh, girl
0: <laughs> so in germanic pagan tradition The this goddess was protect. She protected women and children. And so, in some, what I was reading, in some places she's seen as like a young woman. She has pearls braided into her long hair, and then she may wear a veil that's covering her face. And then sometimes she holds keys, and their keys are to happiness. And she has flowers in her hand. And then sometimes she's an old woman, and she holds a distaff, which is like a long stick that people use to spin flax think like Mm -hmm. oh my god my brain is melting today when the fairy tale where we hit sleeping beauty sleeping beauty duh i'm like what's the god (laughs) one this stuff is like a big stick that you put kind of next to your spinning wheel and it has flax on it it's a whole thing i'll put a picture of it up in the blog that i never update but i'm gonna try to update it this time yeah and then sometimes you see with like tattered clothes and wild hair so it just depends
1: there's a cult. Yeah, and of, like old woman too. She comes as an old woman too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there was a
0: cult of Berta, which followers would leave food and drink for her in hopes of receiving wealth and abundance. And this was condemned in Bavaria in 1468. And there was like a whole paper written about it by this guy named Thomas Ebendorfer von Hasselbach. Because he was pissed off. So the thing about Frau Bertha that I was reading is that, like, it took a while for people to stop loving her. She was popular, like, and people didn't really want to give up this part of their mythology, even when things were becoming very Christian
1: because of just how, you'll see, she, she's just a really cool goddess. Um, like people also, back in the day, they didn't have all the methods of disseminating information and making sure everyone's on the same page. Yeah. So an area will become Christian. It goes through the grapevine. Oh, the king's Christian now. We're all Christian now, however that goes down. Mm-hmm. And they're interpreting that in their own way. And for a long time, the liturgy and mass wasn't even in the dialects there. So it wasn't in German. They're speaking in Latin. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, there's this parallel development where the things people already believe, they're like, oh, yeah, that's good Christian stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is just normal Christian stuff.
0: I feel like when the church first started, they did a terrible job of trying to Christianize everybody because they were like, there was a guy who was born to a virgin. But we're not even going to explain this in your language. We're going to explain it in a
1: dead language. And everyone's like, what? (laughs) It's also, it was a method of control in a different Mm -hmm. way because that's how it was in the Roman empire. They just continued their MO because if you, like the same region that the Pennsylvania Dutch come from, part of it was part of the Roman empire. Yeah. Platinate was part of the Roman empire. And so they brought grapes there. So that part of Germany actually is famous for their wine. Mm. And you have the cults. The way it would work is that you would pick, once you're Romanized, whatever your local deities you're interested in, you pick the closest Roman deity that you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then you will say that deity will get an epithet. So the most popular in that region would have been like Mercury. Mercury. So mm-hmm. you will have Mercury of this place, Mercury of that place, mm-hmm. and that it would have been originally different local gods mm-hmm. that get synchronized. And that same process happens and that continued to happen through Christianity where a lot of the churches that are dedicated to like Mary, for instance, are even sometimes on healing built on top of healing springs or where a sacred Linden tree was, mm-hmm. and they will put down a sacred Linden tree and then carve a statue of the Virgin Mary. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like there's this complex process where because people get Christianized and that they, they still keep doing their thing, so it's not only just from the top down, it's also from the bottom up, and that's also why I have, as I've gotten into Ancestry, I have you know, softened more around being triggered by Christianity Mm -hmm. to where it's like being more interested in that layer of the history. Because for the German people, we have been Christianized for so long that there really isn't very much information.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: We have a handful of texts and archaeological evidence, but even the way people's lifestyle was, they weren't building buildings. They weren't I'm um, making permanent things that we can look back on. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: seeing what continued to be important through the Christian era, you learn about all, about all the little folk saints and there. That, like that ends up being threads that can tie you back further. Yes. Oh, I love that. So she, so. Oh, speaking of what
0: you were just saying about the Roman empire. So it says later in later canonical and church documents character, they characterize uh, Frau Berscha as synonymous with other leading female spirits such as Holda, Diana, Herodias, Herodias and- Richella, who I don't know about, but I want to because that's a cool name, and Abundia. Oh. Uh, the big thing, one of the big things about Frau Berscha is she is a protector of unbaptized babies, stillbirth, mm. m- miscarriages, and abortions, those who've died by suicide souls that lack anyone to remember them. And I'm like, oh my God, so sweet. Souls that have not received proper burials. She takes care of souls that would otherwise become ghosts. She's a psychopump. She guides souls to the other side. She's said to live in a subterranean place with a gorgeous garden where she welcomes the souls of children who died in infancy. And so there was many women who looked to Frau Bersha in Southern Germany because she was the goddess of abundance and she cared for children and domestic issues also. And I get this from a, I think it's an essay. No, yeah, it's an essay, but I'll put the link in the show notes where they talk. It's about blog post. Sorry. Where this lady in the blog post talks about how this was a time, obviously of high infant mortality. So people mm-hmm. were really like, it was very comforting for them to hear that Frau Burscha was taking care of their child who may mm-hmm. have passed away. So that's mm-hmm. especially if people are becoming Christianized, being baptized is a big thing. So if the baby passed away before they're baptized, people get very upset about this. But having this woman who you can think of as taking care of their child was very comforting to a lot of women. Mm-hmm. In some folktales, she appears as a woman who nurses babies in the middle of the night, which is just very helpful. like... <laughs> She's letting those moms get their rest. That's great. Mm-hmm. So there's, this is a quick story about, about Frau Berstein. There is a author named Ludwig Berstein who narrates a... That there was in the village of not even going to try to say this village's name. Because there was a mom who had a child that died. And the mother was super upset, obviously, about this. And was like just mourning and she couldn't stop crying. So she would kneel at the grave for nights on nights. And one time, one of the nights she did it, people called it Berschen time. All of a sudden, Frau Berschen suddenly passed by her and was accompanied by a whole bunch of kids. And at the end of the procession, the woman saw her deceased child with a big jug in his hand. And the jug was so heavy that the child was trying to struggle. And the woman wanted to go help the child. But then she realized that The child said to her that the bucket is so heavy because of all her tears and that he would not be able to carry it. And basically, like, Frau Bersche is taking care of me, Mom. Don't worry. You don't have to cry so much Mm -hmm. anymore. And then after that, the woman stopped, ceased to cry. So she stopped crying because she knew that Frau Bersche was taking care of her baby, which is Mm -hmm. so sweet. I love that. Now, Frau Bersche was very popular. Like I said, people... (laughs) <laughs> the church had to force people to stop talking about her. <laughs>
1: it literally forced That's a goddess too. It's similar to Hecate in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Where she can be very hardcore, but she also is a mother goddess. Like yeah. Hecate is known as the first mother. Interestingly, this is like a way old connection. So this is, I'm going out on a limb here, but... I even wonder if Hecate and Frau Berta are connected really deep in the past because one of the big theories of where Hecate comes from is uh, Antolia, which is now Turkey. Mm-hmm. And that's also where farming came from. And it was brought to Germany from Turkey. Mm-hmm. And Frau Berta is associated with flax making. So the whole process, which is also associated with fate, because you have the fates wow. spinning the thread of life. So that's that goddess of life and death at the same time. Mm. And so flax, we actually know now from even some pretty recent scientific papers in the last few years, where a lot of most of the language of German and English and French and most of the European languages, there are Indo-European languages, but the words for flax... Don't come from Indo European, so they must be from the earlier culture who were, they call them the Neolithic farmers who brought farming during the Stone Age. Mm. And flax was one of the plants they brought with them. And so it's like there's some very old threads there. Mm. And um, with that, life and death, like Frau Berta often was seen as an omen, like a bad omen. Of death, if you see her and there's not a reason for her to be around. Mm -hmm. And, but also of love. She's a love goddess. Mm -hmm. So people would pray to her like on the 12 nights of Christmas. So her feast day is Epiphany, which is the last day of the 12 nights of Christmas Mm -hmm. on January 6th. And it was very common during that time for people to pray to Frau Berchtel or do different things like visits her in places in nature in order to or different rituals we do similar things like with apple peels and things to find out who's going to be my true love yeah and they would pray those prayers to for alberta to give them a dream Mm. a vision of your true love Mm. which is interesting because it's like the both love and death and childbirth the joy of that and the Sorrow of losing a child. Mm -hmm. Those are such extremes of experience, but they are like tied together. And I think she really speaks to all of that. Yeah. Ooh,
0: I like that theory. You heard it here first, folks. And so I like, what about that? Archaeologists, get on that, start figuring that out. out. But please do all the hard work.
1: we're gonna make
0: theories and we need you to solve it thank you
1: you, <laughs> you did pretty good like, no
0: i think it makes a lot of sense i was like you're talking i'm like yes i am right. talking
1: also has a one of her epithets i can't i don't know the original language but it means that she has many hands mm-hmm. and the way that was exp- expressed to me is that Hecate actually generates other goddesses. Mm-hmm. She like makes more goddesses that do her work everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, that's from Alberta, but yes. yeah, and it's just it's very. It makes sense too because some of this you trace where things come from, but Europe has been pretty interconnected the whole time in different ways. And what's interesting to see if that is true, then that how the Greeks became interested in Hecate and then what spread through Europe. It was maybe there was a part that is remembering. Oh, yeah, we love ladies like this. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do some more. (laughs) Yes. Again,
0: when the church was mad about people still celebrating her feast day and those types of things, they were like, she's not allowed during Christmas. And no. Mm -hmm. And then people were like, no, we're still going to celebrate her. But they tried to start doing the same thing that they did to kind of Baba Yaga, right? They started mm-hmm. making her like a witch, like something to be afraid of in certain areas, especially like places like Switzerland, they started as- associating her with like Krampus. Um,
1: the, oh yeah, and then Austria. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Austria, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm getting all my geography is off today. I'm so okay, sorry. It's
1: like the, uh, Switzerland has similar practice. Like Krampus is specific, like mm-hmm. a Yuletide, a spook, that's associated with St. Nicholas. But then there's a wider tradition called Perkton, which are named after Berkte. Oh. Which are basically, like, similar to Krampus, a little less devilish usually, but they're, like, all hairy. You Usually covered in hair, these, like, crazy costumes. Mm-hmm. And in Switzerland, they can get really, like, they have beautiful Perchten and ugly Pericton And... And all sorts of combinations. And the beautiful ones have these like strange, like doll masks and like little wooden villages on their heads and very interesting processions. But they're, I would interpret them as embodying the wildness of nature and the dangerous spirits. So you're embodying it to, you're also like dressing up like the scary things in nature to mm. scare them away, to scare away the bad weather. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think there was that process because there is this process of demonization. But then at the same time, it is also who she really is because she has always had that terrible aspect, but it's just mess around and find out. Yeah. I'm finding out. And they've been messing around for a while. So you have fewer <laughs> people. I think the way I interpret it is. There are fewer people who have that good relation. Yeah. where you're living right, and the thing she cares about, which is both women and children, but also order among humans so that we're living right together and everyone's being treated well and doing yeah. what they're supposed to and getting the work you need done because this is a wintered climate, so, you, you know, you've got to be on top of it. Yeah. Survive the winter, but then also... There's other things because in the Christian era, she became associated with not only Epiphany, but she would come mm-hmm. in certain areas at all the cross quarter days. So at different feasts, she was there to just be like, "Oh, no, you're supposed to stop working now, or you better be working now." Or, yeah. Uh, and at certain things, it's even like she shows up. as like making sure you better eat a lot at this feast because everyone has to. If <laughs> you better have lunch. <laughs> Like this very role she took on. Um, It's interesting because in some of the folklore, they'll even say in towns where it's like they still love her, they're talking about how beautiful she is. They'll say she was really so kind, not like people say. But you better do what she said. Th- <laughs> it's hard. We love her. Yeah. Yeah. You do what she says. I think that's like, yeah, again, with the whole,
0: I feel like the, the stereo. The stereotypical German woman. She's very cute and she's very pretty, and she I bet she wears great clothes, and I bet all the colors. She looks fantastic. But she told you that you're not working today,
1: so you better not pick up that spinning wheel. Like, (laughs) yeah. And and also you better be done. You better have something with what she gave you. And that's these rights. The purpose behind this time of year is that. So the 12 days of Christmas were the time between the two years. They were not part of the year, the previous year or the next year. Yeah. So during that time, it was believed, basically, the veil is thin. All the spirits are out. Bertha and Frahola, they're leading the spirits of those who have died to the underworld. Mm-hmm. And which is dangerous. Like, we give it its space. We You try not to get mixed up in that. You mm-hmm. stay cold. But then all these rules like about not spinning thread or not doing laundry during the 12 days of Christmas, part of that is because this is the time the fates are spinning the thread of fate for Mm -hmm. the next year. And so you want to get you want to give them space to do that. Mm -hmm. And we leave out these meals to get their favor. So Mm -hmm. there would be a meal at Christmas Eve, which the old pre-Christian German feast is Mother's Night, mm-hmm. uh, which we have documented from as Mother Night from like England, but we know that custom is probably also going on continentally just because of what people were doing later, even if we didn't have a name. And where you leave a feast for the mothers on on Christmas Eve, and that is to get their favor. So it's like yeah. the ancestors coming. Because the ancestors are tied in with fate. And Mm so you're being hospitable to them and showing them, look, we're living a good life. Look, we made you all this beautiful food. You can bless us with more abundance because we're going to use it well. Mm -hmm. And we respect you. And then there's also the nature part of it because these are nature goddesses too. Like we're living good with our animals this time of year. There were all sorts of things you did to keep your livestock healthy you would do like smoke cleaning to for the house, but also the livestock to keep them healthy. And then you would also like Frau Bertha. Their stories. It's very common to believe that animals could talk on Christmas Eve, and this comes to Pennsylvania. I found folklore where they believe, oh, the animals will talk to you on Christmas Eve or on the twelve days of Christmas, and they might be talking about Frau Bertha. What Frau Bertha says. What Frau Bertha thinks of you. People <laughs> you know, telling them what they want you to do. Yes. Anyway. Oh, there's this whole like depth of meaning to that time of year and it really is um to get abundance and health for the next year anyway no it's true so everything you said is is a lot
0: of what i was gonna say so i love it's perfect and you explained it better than i was going to so thank you i'm just gonna reiterate that frau persia she keeps up these cultural taboos and everything you said because during the winter you're gonna be cold so you need to get all your work (laughs) done now so that you can make your shit, make your socks, and make your family socks so everybody's alright. You gotta have all your food together because winter's coming. Is You can't, there's not plants all over the place. We gotta get your jams and your jellies and all your cans done. She also was mean, but it's not, she was mean for a purpose. She wasn't just being mean to be a nasty goddess. She was being mean to tell people get yeah. together. get together.
1: together. And also, like, why do we think a mother goddess should never be mean? Yeah. Exactly. Like, why want that? Because when you think of your own mother now, if you have a Like, everyone has their own experience with their mom. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky that even though I have a lot of crap in my background, I have a good relationship with my mom, Mm -hmm. and she always protected you. So think about a mama bear. Yeah. A mama bear will murder someone easily Mm -hmm. to keep her tub safe, and that's what's needed from moms a lot of time, and that's something that in our culture and this with this cult of the Virgin Mary and her being and becoming increasingly with the Reformation seen as just passive a passive vessel rather Mm -hmm. than this goddess who is has the powers of positive and negative things Mm -hmm. but that's what power really is if you can't protect yourself you don't have any power and I just think too she, I think when you're a mom too, you realize, I'm realizing that now with my daughter because yeah. I was high strung. Honestly, I said I had some mental health stuff. So I never wanted her to cry. It stressed me out. So I was a little, she's four now, but mm-hmm. I was a little bit lenient for sure. She's the only child and only grandchild. Mm-hmm. And, but now that she's four, it's, I'm sorry, sure you can't not go to the bathroom all day. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, i you, you down and put you on the toilet right now. And you're like, this is for your own good. I know you don't want to do it, but you're gonna, yeah. You're gonna get a bladder <laughs> infection. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, because all of this has this place, and it's you can need you need all your cards mm-hmm. in your hand depending on the situation. But then it's think about it. The mama bear is the perfect example because if you who there's nothing more like comforting and warm and safe and cozy than a mama bear to her cubs.
0: Exactly.
1: So those two things are not opposites. And I think that's has have been one of the most valuable lessons I've gotten from this path and from connecting with Fra Berta and her stories and Fra Hola as well, is this healing of that concept of feminine or what it means to be a mom or a woman. And it's this total wholeness where mm. my sexuality, my fierceness, my being a mom, my ambitions, all those things are me. Yeah, And I don't have to let them go. Of course, it's a transformation. It's not the only transformation in life, but it's a big one. But you still get to be a whole person on the other side of that. And I think that is really hard in our world. And it's not the what we get message from society and especially mm-hmm. like growing of women. I feel like I grew up in a bunker or something sometimes where it's like mine <laughs> it? capsule where I'm like I was like I was a little eleven year old girl in the year two thousand being like we're teaching to iron men's dress shirts. That's nice. Yeah. It's like this is this is the two thousands. This isn't nineteen fifty.
0: That is so important. I think that a lot of women struggle with that because you see all these, even like mommy bloggers, right? They're like, I'm a mom. And they make that their whole personality and identity. And it's, you can just be yourself and be a mom. And you want to do this or do whatever you want to do. You can do that and still be a fantastic mother. We Mm -hmm. need
1: women to Mm -hmm. start embodying that wholeness because it has been a huge trauma and it's really not only holding us back, but it's holding society back. Yes. Whereas the fact that it's so impossible to be a mom and have your career or a position in the outer society and how the hours don't match up and how isolated we are. Mm -hmm. All those things are how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that tension we feel is because what's happening is wrong. Yes. Being a mother is wonderful. It's a very special experience. However... A child doesn't just belong to you. There's supposed, there is supposed to be a whole community of people who have that kid's back. Yeah, and you shouldn't have to necessarily. You're supposed to have several adults around that love the child. That's what we're expecting evolutionary, being in more tight two communities, tight mm-hmm. to communities. And so this situation where moms are just so isolated and everything's put on their plate, and they don't have the resources, they don't have the child care. And they're having to work from home and the the iPads, the only child care available or whatever. Those situations, we need to find our power and change that. Every day, I'm like, I know I'm surrounded by Republicans, mm-hmm. but I don't care. I want every Republican yeah. woman to have child care. Yeah, 100%. I, I want all of them to have it. And why can't we all see what we're doing is valuable? Yes. So be, we should be... Because it is very valuable, and it isn't saying that's the m- only thing that a woman's good for. That's the highest thing that's been used against women. Yeah. However, as a society, mm-hmm. children are the most important thing because our yes. future. But that's a society job. Yes. That's not a individual woman's job. Yeah. I think like I every day I'm just like I'm ready. <laughs> What, what string do I google where I find the community where we're striking? And
0: yes,
1: I'm oh. so wound up right now.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: yeah, and yeah. the message I've got from Berta in this time because that is probably my most leaned on or intimate spiritual connection with my as far as deities and things go, and I think. What I have gotten from her, it is definitely. I don't know if you that paint know that painting, truth coming out of her well to shame Man- mankind. Yeah, okay, where she's, if you haven't seen it, there is a well and a woman, a naked woman coming out, just like raging, belly, <laughs> <just yelling, like, laughs> and I. Just, it's like that is often the vibe. Yeah. I'm really hard on myself, so I feel like her messages to me are really kind. But I'm already very critical of myself, so mm-hmm. it's like I've done that job for her. Okay. But then it's like the message is like, here's this kind of terrifying vision you, know, <laughs> you have right now. Most terrifying dream about what goes on underneath the surface of everything. Okay. I her that <laughs> when we had the really bad fires out here before they started. I just had the waking kind of dream come over me one day that was just like, it was just, it was the fates and the middle fate, I was getting closer to them. They were around a cauldron, the middle fate, like ripped herself apart and became this scary crone and was just like throwing lightning. Mm. And then all summer there were just these fires and it's just like, oh no. Guys, no <laughs> you know this? My mama's angry. <laughs> We know, you know this, but all those spirits, they're like joining with the Earth spirits and they're pissed. So yeah, they're... Listen, some, something's going on. This is true. So it's like my superstition. I'm just like, yep, we've ignored our, we've ignored our responsibilities as humans and mm-hmm. what it means to be a good human. And while we had figured out a way to live more in line with that for most of our history, and now we're not. And now we get to see what that's like. Yep. And that really lines up with the what you would assume would happen based on these superstitions, which is very—it's like an interesting. I don't know. It's like, whoa, okay.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, shit's going down, and I know. it's not. But there. I think
1: it is that thing of being able to lean in and trust it a little bit because these things are bigger than us, and we can transform if we can't find it in ourselves to change everything to make it better. We'll have a lot stripped from us. So we'll we'll deal with it, right? I know. That got dark as it does. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It got dark, but it's It's the truth. truth. It's the truth, though. Um, At that time of year, it's the darkest. The mm -hmm. people is the darkest. And where it comes on Epiphany, that's symbolically the rebirth of the light. So this whole thing is like doing everything we need to do to be living right and get caught up Mm -hmm. as well as you can. And then we're going to really create that joy and warmth and home and connection in ourselves and with each other (laughs) so that we can hold ourselves together and get through the hard times and believe that a new day will come. Yes, we're doing it.
0: We're doing it. Oh, I love it. Oh, that was so good. Thank you. Oh, that was a word. So the other last things I'll say about Frau Wertha is that So there's this whole thing about her slitting people's bellies open Mm -hmm. and putting, removing their guts, and she stuffs it with straw and pebble. And this is children and young servants if they haven't been doing what they were supposed to be doing. Also, still in some Alpine villages, they still leave uh, food out for her on uh, Pershtanok, which is, like you said, the last day of the Epiphany. And her favorite meal is herring and dumplings and Mm schnapps. Or some type of alcoholic, other alcoholic beverage. Oh, wait, I forgot the other really important thing I wanted to say. Last thing. This is the last thing. We talked about animals before. So she, her sacred animals are crickets, swans, and geese. In many tales, they say that she has one splayed or webbed foot like a goose. Some people think that she may also be the original mother goose. Mm-hmm. Mother goose is a French thing, but as we've spoken about, France and Germany share a border especially in the southwestern part and southeastern part so it could be all related and they also say she may have been like a shape-shifting goddess because she was in the woods and she loved animals and she's Mm. doing her thing okay so that's proper so there's a lot more you can learn about her I put some resources up and that brings us now to the end of our show oh boy this has been mm. so awesome thank you so much for that having- yes i love first of all you are a speaker like <laughs> you can be out
1: there telling people what to do <laughs> i do like cracking. i, mean, I have resident pisces though so i'm just like i just keep going and, going and i'm like and in my head, I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. This is so simple. I just have to explain to you everything about music, everything has to make you And then I lose myself in right a way, but I enjoyed hacking. So it's like, okay, let's just keep going until I say the right thing. No,
0: you're doing great, first of all. And I love you are very knowledgeable. So it's not like you're just talking, you know, so mm-hmm. much. And so thank you for sharing that with everybody. Uh-huh. This is great. Yes. So first thing, I know you are going to be teaching a class. you want to tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about your class?
1: Yeah, so my class will be on December 2nd. And it is going to be like a two to three hour class about all about Yule and the 12 days of Christmas from a folk magic perspective. So I'm calling it good you will rediscover the animus magic of the old christmas traditions Mm. and we'll be diving into deep into a lot of this stuff into the history into the many the folklore surrounding it and then also the many spirits that are associated with this time and it being a time of ancestor work and divination like hopefully giving people a guide to get them started understanding this it's a pretty complicated topic Mm -hmm. like giving them what they need so that they can start to enact some of this and make that sacred time and then hopefully connect with their ancestors and their spirits I know for me it has become like the heart of my year and it has really deepened my practice to, and my spirit work to a whole other level to take these 12 days and dedicate them. Like it's been very, it's a great experience. And I think for anyone like me who just always did love Christmas, I was like a Christmas girl, not a Halloween girl per se, although I love Halloween too. <laughs> it was very like validating to be like, oh, Christmas is German Halloween. Everything don't <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> no, yes yes oh it
0: sounds really good i hope i can make it too because i was looking at my calendars yeah that'd
1: be great i'd love to have you that'd
0: be fun awesome yes there's a link in the show notes to the class so everybody can look at it so you want to sign up it's right there and also just tell us where we can find you on the
1: internet yeah the best place to find me right now is on tiktok i'm at (laughs) Marie. there so h-e-x-m-a-r-i-e and that's my home base at the moment. I think I will be making Instagram in the next little bit because I'm just realizing all the German folk magic people have gotten burned out on Tic know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I still love it. It's like it's, it is such an up and down, but mm-hmm. it's also like I love the – I love that it's like the young people, and it's so innovative, and I love – how intimate it is and messier. Well, yeah. the like Instagram's so perfect. Everyone looks perfect. I get jealous of my friends. I'm like, what is this dark magic? I, I never feel jealous <laughs> like that. I don't want to, look to my own t- form, but I'm usually pretty smart and talented compared to everyone. <laughs> but then the internet is like this <laughs> thing, but that it's like okay. I know. You know I'm gonna be like designing an Instagram warrior. What for now you can find me on TikTok. <laughs>
0: No, <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> oh, gosh. So this has been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so happy you were here. Everybody. This is Dying with the Divine. Again, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok threads and maybe youtube soon i gotta figure it out i'll let you know so, if you really enjoy this show like i said if you can give us a reading that's always awesome i always appreciate it you can listen to us anywhere you find your podcast apple spotify whatever and if you have any suggestions or anything you want to talk about let me know email me at diewithdivinepod at gmail.com and if you want to follow me ashley i'm at Sankofa hs and that's s-a-n-k-o Oh gosh, I forgot to spell my how to spell my own handle. That's at S A N K O F A H S, and I'm Sankofa Healing Sanctuary on Facebook. And thank you also for being here. Thank you again, Hex Marie, and I hope you guys all have an awesome week. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.